Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at Andrew RLP. And joining me once again is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there? I'm going pretty good, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. We've both overcome um, quite severe near-death experiences this week. Yeah, I saw my life flash before my eyes. It was a bunch of bad choices, and the Panthers beating the Canberra Raiders and the Sydney Roosters to claim grand final victories over teams that cheat the salary cap, so it was nice. Yeah, and I saw mine was just me getting sick all the time. <laughs> just sick again and again. <laughs> yeah, until eventually I just gave up and said, fuck it, I'll just accept it. <laughs> Do you reckon your tombstone would say, like, it's about time? <laughs> yeah, just finally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Took him a while. <laughs> he had enough cracks at it. Yeah. Um, now... This then towards the end of this month we have the first ever rugby league World Cup nines taking place in Sydney. Mm. It's uh, it's going to take place at the shiny brand new sparkling Bankway Stadium. The best place for it. It certainly is. Thirty thousand people sitting there, standing over the top of everyone. It's going to be pretty pretty damn fantastic. Um, and there's twelve teams lining up. Mm. We've it's got. In, it's interesting oh, yeah. that they. It's interesting that they went with 12 teams. I think they've been very conservative, but we'll talk about some extra teams we think they should have added later on. Yeah, I mean, I even said when initially they launched this that I thought 12 teams was being far too uh, skimp. Skimpy. Yeah. I think they needed to have more teams. And, I mean, everyone knows when it comes to, you know, World Cups and stuff like this, you always want to have, you know, multiples of four as your teams because you can have a nice, neat... Um, knockout phase as well to get down to the the final. You know we've seen in the World Cup over the last few years that they had what was it fourteen teams or fifteen or some stupid thing. You got that mm-hmm. weird hybrid dicky group DC thing when teams are playing inter pool matches and it's just stupid. Just put another team in there for Christ's sake and make it work properly. Yeah, and the weird thing is that when they've gone for the smaller competitions in the past, they've been like, okay, we want to make sure that the score lines aren't big and they're always big. And then when they've expanded the competition, it basically has been better every single time. I don't understand why going conservative is a good idea, especially in the, in the condensed format of the game. Like this lends itself to, you could have named 20 teams you know, and, or 24 teams, as you say, multiples of four, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Like the very worst teams, they have a better shot at winning at this level of their sport than they do in a test match. Yeah, and to be honest, it's not like they were playing, they're not playing 80-minute games here, so you could, you could have had 24 teams here, mm. 32, you know. I, I, I even argued at one point they should have just invited every single team that's got a test ranking We've got an international ranking. Mm-hmm. Bring them all over and all play over the course of a week. Yeah, like it wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst idea. Uh, you know, the only reason they wouldn't do it, I would say, is because of obviously accommodation. Um, that would cost a whack. But, you know, I don't see why not. I don't think it would have hurt it at all. I think it would have been really interesting. Can you imagine if there was every day of the week there was footy on at night? That would have been yeah. interesting. Absolutely. Fantastic. 
Yeah. Especially leading into the you know test matches in the following weeks. Yeah. Green idea. And you give every single player from every single nation around there a bit of experience in the premier market of rugby league in Australia on a premier stage in one of the best, or possibly the best stadium for rugby league in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been to a number of stadiums and it used to be Suncorp for me and now it's Bankwest. So I tend to think it's the best stadium in the world for rugby league now. It's it's a phenomenal structure, that one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, yeah, we've got 12 teams. It's uh, We've got one from the Americas, and that's obviously the United States of America. Uh, one from the Middle East, which is Lebanon. Three from Europe, England, France, and Wales. And the rest are from the Pacific. Excuse me a sec. That's Australia, Cook Islands, Fiji, Tonga, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and Samoa. Yeah, and they've been broken up into three groups of four. Um, you can kind of see how they've broken it up. I mean, the the first group is kind of Australasia and the United States. The second group is kind of Europe and Lebanon. And the third group is Pacific Island nations. I tell you what, the third group is the the group of death. If I look at looking at this, and but the weird thing for me is that they the way that they've got it. Who qualifies from each group? So, two teams qualify from Group A, and then only one team qualifies from Group B, and one team from Group C. It's kind of a a little bit strange to me that they've done it like that. I don't really see. Yeah, I don't really see the need to do it that way. But that's how they've done it. Why didn't they just go with, if they had to have 12 teams, then why not just have four groups of three? And just have the top team from each group goes through. Yeah, I I, I really don't understand it. Um, common, common sense just goes to the wayside sometimes. Yeah, I, you know what? I hate that Australia's always in, and it's not Australia's fault. And I don't think it helps Australia in any way, like because they're always qualifying anyway, no matter how you slice it. But I just hate the way Australia always seems to end up in some group where, you know, they're always going to qualify. Like, I would like to see a group that Australia was in where if they did lose a game, they're in real trouble. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. But anyway. That's why. I mean, we'll, we'll just, I, was, I was saying before that, uh, before we started, that there's the, these pools are always set up essentially to have the teams who the organisers expect to see in the finals have the easiest run to get there. Mm. You'll never ever see Pool A consist of Australia, New Zealand, England and Samoa. No. <laughs> and, and they yeah. try and set it up so that they get, um, like they manipulate the finals to a certain extent. You know, it, it, they don't rig it, but they like to get, they like to have Australia playing either New Zealand or England in the final. Yeah, and they make sure that the draws are set up kind of that way. That's right. You you won't find Australia, New Zealand, and England on the same side of a draw. No, no, never. One or two of them will always be on the opposite side to Australia. Yeah, and it's just always that way. And I think it's time we need to start randomising this caper instead of just having it being handpicked all the time because it's just it it makes it too predictable and makes it boring as batshit. So I'm hoping the nines completely rejigs a lot of uh, people's ideas as to how these teams perform and some of them blow our minds, I guess. 
yeah, same here. I'm, and I think they will. I think that there's going to be a, a few, not so much surprises in this tournament, but I think that there's going to be things that don't go to plan in this tournament, if that's one way to put it. Yeah. Now we were before we get onto this, anything further. We we had discussed that. Given the weird setup they've got where two teams from Pool A go through and only one from the other two. Yeah. Um, we're saying that they uh, should have a Pool D. Yeah. And which four teams will we have in there? And we came up with Serbia, Jamaica, Canada, and Germany. Mm. And only because they've all been on the world stage and playing a lot of international matches for quite a few years now. And they yeah, do they've, have... been, they've been active. Like, I think yeah. that's the main thing. It's I think that this was a good opportunity to really give teams that are active a, a chance to go and do... Because this is, should be seen as a development for every nation going towards test matches. You know, you can start off by saying, well, look, if we can get a good nine squad together, we're, we're almost there to a test match, you know? Um, and, and I think that this would be a great stepping stone. And it's a safe one too because you're not going to have to worry about teams being built at 108 nil by Australia or England or New Zealand. Yeah. Like the worst that's going to happen is they might lose 30 nil or something. I mean, that's not exactly going to be soul-crushing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's a great stepping stone. And I'd, I would have loved to have seen that. And then you could have just had the top two from each group go through. And that means that two of those developing nations go through as well. So that mm-hmm. gives them a reason to compete. And yeah. That would have been and- fantastic. And the other thing is, too, I mean, you could have mixed up the pools a little bit. Like, it would have been cool to see the United States play Canada. Um, and, and they play each other quite a bit at international level. But it would have been cool to see them, and like, facing off for a chance to go through to the next stage. Just little things like that. It would be interesting to see how Jamaica takes to this form of the game in general because they're, they're not too bad at the full, uh, you know, 17-man game. Um, but yeah, I guess that's something I don't know. I don't know if they said they're going to do this every four years or what, but, um, hopefully I'd love to see this every year. Hey, I don't see there is any reason why they couldn't do something like this every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll find some reason not to though. Nah, we'll probably see this again in 20 years time. <laughs> I'd, I'd hope that if they don't do the world cup next year, that we do see at least, Every other nation is not involved in this one playing in a nines competition next year, and it gets a reasonable amount of um, um, attention, and we're able, all able to watch it as well because that would be fantastic. Yeah, you know what also would be interesting to do with the nines at, at international level is, I mean, you could have a nines tournament. Um, and I've, I, I think I wrote an article about this, like having a nines tournament on Australia Day, something like that. So you could have, like, ones at different points of the year. Like, I'm sure you could probably fit a ninth tournament in, like, midweek around Origin with players that weren't involved in the the Origin and internationals. Um, you know, there's so much that can be done with it. That's the thing that excites me. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely plenty they could do with it. And it, at the moment, it feels a bit limited. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be expanded upon and needs to be made a lot more, um, yeah, more more wide-reaching, I'd like to see. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, one I guess thing we... 
Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, one thing that's not very wide-reaching is the uh, how far they've gone for the referees. Yep. <laughs> this was hilarious when you told me this. So they've got uh, uh, 18, 18 referees lined up for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's from England, yep. one is from France, two are from New Zealand, and 14 are from Australia. Well, so that's a nice spread. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird that they didn't, like, you know, it gives, like, why haven't we got a P&G ref? Exactly. Why can't we have a P&G ref? They well, must have, have heaps of them there. We've we've got 12 teams. Why not have every team bring bring along a referee mm. and Australia can just provide another six? Yeah. And then where you get your 18 refs. That would be good. That would have been fair. Is uh is Casey Badger doing any refereeing in this one? Uh she's not listed, but Belinda Sharp is. Okay. There's a few um, there's a few referees on the Australian list there who aren't NRL refs. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Bro, um Darian Farmer, Todd Smith. Uh that's that's pretty much it. There's uh Packy Parkinson from New Zealand and then Chris Kendall, who's a Super League referee over in England, and uh, Stefan Vincent from France. Okay. I hope he's flamboyant. Oh, he has to be. Yeah. Has to be. I want to see the, the big, bold hand signs. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm only going to tune into games where he's refereeing just to watch him referee. And I hope he doesn't know English as well. Oh, that's that's got to be a given. Actually, yeah. even if he does, even if you do know English, yeah. um, don't speak it. Yeah, he doesn't have to. Just use the hand signals. Flamboyant French as loud as you can. Yeah. And if someone talks to you, don't even look at them. Yeah. Look at the sky in the opposite direction and just wave them away with your hand. Get away from me. You know what's way more likely is that he's a guy that was born and raised in Bundaberg. And he has French family. <laughs> like, that's way more likely. <laughs> if we have a look at this, Henry Perinara is the only one that's been born outside Australia. Yeah. <laughs> the rest are all here. Oh, all right. Well, let's go through the different pools and which teams in each pool. Huh? We'll go uh, pool for pool. You're going to have right. to do two of them, I reckon. Okay. So, pool A, we've got Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and the United States. And... uh Got to think the old US has got a pretty rough run here. Yeah, they've. Uh, it's not going to be fun for the. Like you know what the, I look at them teams, PNG, uh, like they're so hard to play against, and it's weird when you see them play test footy, they like just try and bash her for eighty minutes. It's going to be interesting to see how their style translates in nines football. Um, I, I've got no idea. You know, I've got absolutely no idea. The USA has a couple of handy plays in their team. But, yeah, they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing in that one. Yeah. Um, I, I expect the PNG are probably a good chance to upset New Zealand. And they they could they could snare a spot in the in the final two. Not saying they will, but they, they, they'd be the biggest chance, I guess. Yeah. And in saying that, Australia's not exactly... Um, that far ahead of everyone else, I don't think either. So, nah, I, I this Australian team is, I think it's kind of conservative. I think they're definitely using this team 
as a a halfway point between the test team and um, even just general origin um, representation. But at the same time, the thing that Australia has done in all but I think one international that I've ever seen in my lifetime is that they always turn up. Um, so they're, they're always going to be hard to beat no matter who they name. Yeah. Uh, um, pool first, B. Yes. Sorry? I was uh, going to do B. Pool B. Okay. Do you yeah, want to do we, it? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really do. So in Pool B, this is like the Europe and Lebanon one. Spoiler alert. England, uh, France, Lebanon, and Wales. Now, we've said that Wales look like the worst team in the competition. Yeah, I've, I've had a look at this side, and um, they've kind of done something similar to what they did at the last actual, you know, full-blown World Cup, where they decided to try and rely on players from Wales exclusively, not just players that were Welsh heritage and whatnot else. Yeah. Um, and their squad doesn't look overwhelmingly strong. But, you know, this is nines as well, and this is all virtually unknown for us, so we could be miles wrong, but... Out of all the squads, to me, their their side did look the weakest. Is this where I should tell people about my theory on Welsh rugby in general? Ah, uh, or should I save it? Is it PG? Yeah, it's PG. <laughs> it, are you are you saying it, that so you can just say you can say what it is? <laughs> no, nah, because I just say it anyway. But it's yeah. it's Welsh rugby, and I'm talking League and Union, is so overrated. Like, they go on and on about, oh, Welsh Rugby, Welsh Rugby, Welsh Rugby League. How many great players have they produced in the whole history of either code? Like, I'm talking properly great players. And when you line it up to how many great players the Penrith District has produced, it's not even close. <laughs> like, and, and, and Wales, like, it's like, oh, wow, Wales is going to be great. No, they're not. They're really not. They've had a handful of really good players over the course of 100-plus years, and that's it. So, yeah, Wales, way overrated. I don't understand why so much resource gets spent on Wales. They, they know, this, just don't produce. This would be a great idea for an article, is you write down the best 15 players yep. from Rugby Union and Rugby League from Wales. Yep. And then the best 15 players for Rugby Union and Rugby League that come from Penrith. Well, just like just off the top of my head, Wales hasn't produced anyone as good as Brad Fittler. Like case closed, right? Then you got Brandy Alexander, you got bloody Mark Geyer. You know, it's not even close. If Wales produced a Craig Gower, they would be talking about him for thirty years. They had plenty of good plays in the past. They they built up, though. and I'm talking going back into the. Uh just after World War Two period, stuff like that. Yeah, but, like, that's 100-plus years, right? Of, yeah. Uh, and, and Penrith hasn't been even in the top grade in rugby league for, like, they come in in 67, right? Oh, we should do for the last 50 years then. I think you, you have a very strong argument there. Oh, I will do it for the last 100 years. I'm not, <laughs> it's not even close. I will just do players that come from, like, half of the Penrith district. We'd still smash them. I'm trying to fly the flag here for Wales just for the sake of an argument. Um, yeah. Billy Boston? Not as good as Brad Fittler. Not even Ooh, close. I don't know. 
Not even close. I don't know. Freddie, two World Cups. Kangaroo Tour. What else? Did, actually, did he win three World Cups? Two, I think. Yeah. I think there was a... Wasn't there a big gap at one stage? Yeah, there was... But he did 2,000. He did 95. Was he in the one before that? I can't remember, hey. I feel like he only did two, though. I think if he'd done three, we would have uh, remembered it. Anyway, Penrith. Penrith should be there instead of Wales. How about that? <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> well, we're going to start doing that. Hawks, Hawksbury. <laughs> Haw- just call it Hawksbury or something. Hawksbury region. Yeah, the Hawksbury region instead of Wales. Anyway. So what do we think of Pool B? Pool B is weak. Um, I'm hoping, and I'll be going solidly for France. Same here. I'm all in on France. I think the England team looks weird. I think it's very disjointed, and it's like just a collection of players that uh, some of them aren't suited to nice football at all. I mean, they named James Graham, which is just weird. I think he's one of the least suited players to nines footy. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I hope that France romps this home. Yeah. I, I don't know. Ever since uh, I've, I've always been a, a big fan of the, the French rugby league team in the last, you know, ever since I was born, to be honest, because they've always been struggling, always been getting flogged by teams and stuff like that. I don't want to see them finally get up and get some wins. Yeah. Same here. And they like, like when they're playing at their best, they throw the ball around a little bit. They like getting it through their back line. They they play a nice style of footy. So this might be suited to them. Yeah. Um, and Lebanon has not been able to name a side with much or any actual NRL talent in it. So mm. uh, um, interesting to see how they go. There'll be a lot of unknowns in that side for Australian fans. Uh, Pool C. Tonga, Cook Islands, Fiji and Samoa. And as you said before, poor Cook Islands. Yeah, they uh, they always punch above their weight. It is kind of ridiculous how much uh, top grade talent that they produce for such a little place. And but they've, I mean, they're in the group of death. They're just up against three juggernauts right there, who've all named very very strong teams. Cook Islands team is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's just unfortunate that they they're in that group. I think if you took the vast majority of other teams that are in this competition and put them in Cook Island's place, I would probably say the same thing. You know, yeah. it'd be like, oh man, the poor buggers. <laughs> that that pool sees a group of Australia should be in instead of, instead of uh, Cook Islands. Yeah, I agree. It'd that would have been a fantastic group. Yeah, that really would have been. Um, out of that group, damn. I mean, I like. You have to go with Fiji um, being the best of the group, but Tonga and Samoa have named really strong teams. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Tonga goes, especially with Tamalolo and that. Um, this oh, could I actually, wait. I mean, that group could actually come down to which team hammers the Cook Islands the most, and that's a sad thing. Yeah, that's because very the, true. The other three games could all be, you know, they could all end up with one win each. Yeah, it, like or if they don't, each, like that. yeah, if they don't all beat like one another, um, it, like it, if it, the loss, 
when they lose against each other, it's going to be devastating for their chances because only one team goes through from that Group C, um, which is unfortunate. But it's also, I guess, a good sign for the competition in some ways that, you know, there's going to be some good teams that don't qualify. I guess it shows that there's a lot of depth in the competition. Yeah. I think what they should have done, actually thinking about it now, is don't actually say that two teams from Pool A will go through and one from the other two. Just mm. say, right, at the end of the of the pool matches, we'll put you all in a, in a uh, composite ladder. Yeah. And the top four teams all go through. It doesn't matter what pool they're from. Yeah, I mean... Because hmm. I don't see why Pool A should have two teams go through and Pool B and Pool C only get one. Well, maybe they could have done like the top team from each group goes through and then the team with the the next best for and against from the remaining groups goes through. That would have made it interesting because then you would have had the likes of like Australia playing New Zealand. They, you know, Australia and New Zealand should go through, right? But if you had it in that regard, you know, a lot. Whoever wins that game is going through. Whoever doesn't is no guarantee at all. Yeah, that's right. We made it really interesting. That's right. So, um, yeah, there will be some interesting stuff there. It looks like though it's designed so that Australia, and New Zealand go from go through from Pool A, England from Pool B, and God knows who from Pool C. Probably Tonga. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I but, mean, as you said, Fiji looks like it could be the the a, a genuine favorite there yeah and, and like when they get to the knockout stage um the two top teams from group a they go to the separate sides of the semi-final draw so we could see australia play new zealand in the final um <laughs> which would be you know i i hope that doesn't happen but we could see that um i'm really Really excited for this tournament. I like this way more than I like the Auckland Nines, where it's just NRL clubs. I look at this tournament, and it's finally an international rugby league tournament where I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if New Zealand beat Australia in that Group A. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't rule out any of the teams in Group C outside of Cook Islands winning the whole thing. No, that's true. Um, pool B looks to be the the weak group. Yeah, the uh, we'll call that the bludger group. B for bludger. Sounds good. Yeah. So <laughs> we ranked the, all twelve teams in this, and keeping in mind that we've got no form to go on, and we just we you know we had a look at their squads and and what we thought of them, and. We put together a, a ranking list of how we think these teams line up from 1 to 12. And I think that, if anything, it's a good starting point. I don't think it's like a, you know, I don't think either of us are, are sitting here going, this is how it is and we're going to argue with everyone. I think this is a good starting point to, and until we see otherwise, this is how we would probably rank these teams. Yeah, this is, this is called... Um... Educated guesses by experts. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so let's go from last to first, eh? All right. Twelfth okay. place, we've got Wales. Yeah. They they look to be the worst team in the competition. Um, in 11th place, we've got Lebanon. 
Uh, I'll be interested to see how they go, but I don't expect them to win a game. They'll be very close to Wales as far as results goes, and the yeah. match between those two um, will determine who's who's twelfth and who's eleventh pretty easily. Yeah. Tenth, um, we've got the USA, only because they've they've tried to stick with mostly American players, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing, but it just means that they have they have got a slightly understrength side. Yeah, and like I actually think it's a good thing. I think they need more of it to give the incentive to their local players. Um, in ninth place, the Cook Islands, who, as we said, always punch above their weight. Uh, pretty good team. I remember watching them uh, absolutely annihilate South Africa in an international earlier this year. Yeah. And, man, it was like the Cook Islanders just were bigger, faster, stronger. So they're they're a good team. Um, and, yeah, they're unlucky to be in that group, C. That's right. France were eighth um, because pretty much most of their squad is either playing in the Super League or have been playing with one of the elite teams in the championship, which is the next um, division down from the Super League. Um, and we're kind of tossing up whether they should be eighth or seventh. Um, mm. So we think there's a, a fair gap between the Cook Islands at ninth and France at eighth. We've sort of separated the bottom four from the rest, and that's that's sort of the divide there. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like France is slowly building, hey? Like, I feel like we're going to get to one of these tournaments and France are going to put a game on someone that's going to shock everyone, you know? Um, kind of like what Tonga have done over the last couple of years where it's like, oh, shit, they've arrived. Yeah. So next, in place seven, this was getting very close now. Uh, We've selected PNG because their style of play is probably more suited to test matches. They are very, uh, I mean, they belt you for 80 minutes. Intense. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how how they play in nines. Plus, there's a lot of unknowns in their side. Mm hmm. And especially when it comes to nine. So it'll be interesting to see how they go there. Uh, six, we've got England because their side just looks like a bit of a mishmash. Um, I think I said earlier that uh, they look like some of their players got picked to go on a junk at the other half are sort of sitting there and not, weren't even you know, a bit surprised that they got picked. Yeah, so yeah. It's just a bit all over the shop. It, so. it really is. They're probably, I think if you look at all of these international, uh, the teams that were named in this, their one makes the least sense from who they could have picked. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of players that they don't want to burn out because they've got the uh, Lions tour and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's a very weird squad. Um, in fifth place, we've selected Samoa. And pretty strong team. Um, of the Pacific Islands nations, they're probably not best suited to uh, nines footy and the the, the abbreviated uh, rugby league version of the game, but I mean, their squad is still very strong. It is. I mean, we're kind of tossing up over some of these now because the, the gas between each position is very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four uh, very narrowly went to Tonga. Uh, God, they've got a good side, but they don't have a ton of Fijian wingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the thing with Tonga that I wonder 
is we've got this idea in our head of, of what nines football should be. Tonga has enough big mobile forwards that I wouldn't be totally shocked if by the end of the tournament, instead of thinking this is about outside backs, we're thinking, oh, no, it's completely about big mobile forwards. Like, you know, if Talmalolo is tearing it up the middle of the field cause, because there's not as many players to tackle him, they Tonga is the one team in this whole tournament that could turn the idea of rugby league nines on its head. Exactly. And you'd probably find that the, every other team after this will just be picking um, six six barnstorming forwards who can play the whole distance and one playmaker and one or two speedy guys. A couple of wingers, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, in third place, we've gone with Fiji. And it's very, very close. Like, it, once, once you get to about, I reckon what they, these top three, there's nothing between them. No. No, there's not. And Fiji just has, I mean, even at test level, their back line is just absolutely stunning. Mm. And, I mean, that's basically what they've just got to field here is just a ton of powerful backs. Um, and they're just going to be absolutely perfect for this. I mean, they're perfect for it in rugby union, so of course they're going to be perfect for it here. Yeah, and, uh, like, even Kikau in the middle of the field, like, if they instead of having him on the edges, if they have him just in the middle of the field and he, if they can get him drawing in defenders and then putting it through their back line, I mean, wow, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Absolutely. Number two, uh, New Zealand. They've yeah. got a pretty decent squad. Yeah. <clears throat> Should do pretty well here. Um, yeah. And thankfully for them, they're not in the group with Fiji and Tonga and Samoa because they may, they may struggle to uh, beat some of those sides. Yeah, and I think any team in this competition would. Um I really like the New Zealand team. They've been so under the radar as well, which I think is a good thing for the Kiwis. Um, it's just a matter of whether they're going to turn up. Of all of the teams in the world that we see for rugby league, sometimes England don't turn up, but sometimes the Kiwis really don't turn up, unfortunately. So it's going to be, if they turn up to play, they're going to be really hard to beat. There's one player I wish New Zealand had a named, and that's Benji Marshall. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see how he went. Um, I can understand why they didn't name him. Yeah, he's in the test side, I think so. Yeah, but still, yeah, it's... Uh, man, can you imagine him and Johnson in the team? It'd be fantastic. I think I'd rather him than Johnson. Hey, I think that Benji worries me in every aspect of the game more than Johnson does. Yeah, and also Benji started to bring back some of the old, the old hops and skips and stuff this year too, so... yeah. I think he's shown that he's got the fleet of foot back and he's the confidence in his mind to start running like that again. So it'd be good to see him when he's got more one-on-one opportunities against other defenders. Yeah. Uh, it, actually, it makes me wonder if if there ended up being a nine circuit where they, say, say, played four tournaments a year, whether someone like a Benji Marshall could retire from the NRL but still play nines rugby league. Yeah, that'd be an idea. Yeah. One for the, for a uh, some big time investor to get involved in. Yeah, that'd be good. And uh, number one, got Australia. Yes, 
it's hard to not put Australia at number one. It's like, you know, to beat the king, you got to beat the king. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I like. I think that they're. I think that they've got some handy plays in that team. Some of them are a little bit so-so, and I'm not sure why they're there. But at the same time, Australia turns up all the time in these internationals, and they're, they're always going to be the team to beat. Until they're being beaten regularly, um, they're always the team to beat. So that's why we picked them at number one. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to go on the record and say this, that I'm absolutely fine with Mitchell Moses being in that side. Mm-hmm. And I can even except Clint Gutherson being in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have Curtis Scott in there. I'd have Bronson Cherry in there, only because um, Curtis Scott hasn't played a great deal of footy this year. Yep. That, that's it. No others. No slight on Curtis Scott. And Bronson Cherry just has that blistering pace. Uh, I just think he'd be, he's perfectly built for this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he's unlucky. Um, I don't. See, I think that Gartherson is probably not suited to this style of football. I think you need somebody that's ready to attack the line hard and fast, and he just doesn't seem to be that sort of player. Um, it's, you know, they're, the Australian... I mean, someone like a David Fafida is probably perfect for this style of footy. Um, obviously, Josh Adokar is going to be a nightmare if he gets any space, like, good luck. Um, Callan Ponga, yeah, another player like that. Cody Walker, I think, is going to lap this up. Um, they've got a few proven perform- performers there, like uh, Kyle Felt, who at first you kind of look at it and like, why is he in the team? But he's going to get the job done. Yep. Um, I think Frizzell and, and, and Wade Graham, players like that are great selections. Um, and I was talking to you the other night, like, you know, there's a certain sort of play you think about when you think about nines footy, but I would suggest they've looked at players that have good quick play the ball because what if you can get a couple of quick play the balls, you're going to have the opposition on the back foot straight away. Um, I like having someone like Hunt in that team because he's a real toiler in the middle of the field as a halfback. So yeah. it, it's a very good team, but... Um, it's not like the superstar side you kind of think that Australia's going to put out, is it? No, like you'd think if if they had every player available, they'd be putting the likes of Tedesco and Mitchell in there and, mm-hmm. you know, Jake Trebojevic, players like that. They've mm-hmm. got that, that skill of not just being a forward, but he can also play like an extra 5-8 on the field. Those sort of players are absolutely gold for this. Yeah. Um, so... But it's not a it's not a, a, a rubbish outfit either. It's actually actually pretty solid. Um, there is one roughy there, and that's AJ Brimson. But he's he's a pretty handy ball player himself. And I don't mind him being there at all either. Yeah, and I don't mind them using this Australian nines team to give plays a go and see what they can do either. Um, no, that's right. You know, I I think that that's a good thing for for this level of football. And we've seen some of the other teams are doing similar things like that in between having their, their teams. I think that most teams have been named in that sense where it's like, they've got their established stars. They've got their big time backs. You know, they've got a few players that they're given a go to and seeing how they turn, turn up at this level. Um, The only really weird one, as we said, was England where they've named some players there that you kind of, 
you know, you look at the team, I mean, Tom Burgess, really? Like, Ryan Hall, I, to a certain extent, I can understand him, but he did nothing in the NRL this year. And James Graham is just not suited to this footy at all, unfortunately. No, love him as a player, but I wouldn't put him in a nine side. I'd put him in the test side and, and save him for that. Yeah, unless they felt he needed a, a light run, but I would hope that that's not what they've used this for, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't call I wouldn't call nines a light run either because it'd just be it'd just be doing beat tests the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be hard work. Um, with our well, let's talk talk about the who we think can win the tournament. Um, I tend to think Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga. I think that it, it, the win is going to come out of those ones. What do you think? Yeah, that's the top four that we named. Um, I think they're the only ones that are a chance of winning this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd like to see France top Group B, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's out of their out of their reach to be able to do that either. Yep, it's it's not a tough group. Uh, so I'd like to see them get up in there. That'd be fantastic, mm. and. But mind you, they're going to have a tough finals match because they're playing either someone from the the mighty powerful Group C or someone from yeah, pretty pretty much Australia or New Zealand. Uh, mm. That that Group B is just in for a pound. It doesn't matter who they are, poor bastards. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's uh, it's going to be a really fun tournament. I wouldn't be shocked if if our top four that we've done in terms of ranking is completely the opposite way, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the tournament we say, well, Australia's clearly the fourth place team in the world at this sort of football. Um, I think the bot- towards the bottom, I think they're probably definitely going to be towards the bottom. The middle of it could be anything. Like you could, that could be just completely shaken up. But I think there's definitely three levels that we're looking at here. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I dare say Australia will win. Um, the way the thing's set up, it looks like they'll beat New Zealand. But I'll be going for France. I, I think I'll be going, I'm going to go Fiji in this tournament. I think it'd be so cool if they were the ninth champions. It'd be brilliant. So we'll go for a Fiji versus France final. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, eh? That would be is that fantastic. Po- is, that, is that even possible? Yeah, because I think... Yeah, it'd have to be because Australia and New Zealand don't play each other in the first half of the knockout. So yep. Fiji plays one, France plays the other. Yeah, damn. But how cool Fiji, that Fiji can knock out Australia. France takes out New Zealand. There we go. Yeah. You know, it would be funny, the, the, because, and that would be one of the best things that's happened to the International Rugby League in, like, 40 years, right? Absolutely. And you know that the media would be like, oh, it's a bit of a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they'd be doing, oh, Australia's had a disastrous nights tournament. Oh, it'd be the greatest thing ever for the game if you got to see someone other than Australia, New Zealand, England in a final of a World Cup. What do you think of them playing this game on a Friday and Saturday? I don't like that it's on a Friday and Saturday. It should Friday, have been Saturday, Sunday. Friday's stupid. Yeah. you got nothing else on. Why put it on a Friday night? Put it on Saturday. you yeah. got Saturday and Sunday, for Christ's sake. Put it on those days. You've got all those days available. 
put it on then. It just makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other question I have for you is, what do you think about it for nines level of footy, having teams like, say, the New Zealand Maori compete, having, uh, say, an Australian Indigenous side compete against, obviously, Australian New Zealand uh, at this level? Do you think that it's something that in nines footy is definitely something you'd be open to or is it something that you think we should stick to having the the uh national teams only i'd be open to it yeah but after all the the marys are listed as having played you know actual test matches way back in the early 1900s so yeah i could argue that they they've got every right to be there um yeah. i'd be more than happy to see that especially an aboriginal side that'd be fantastic yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I, in fact, I wouldn't be against if you had like, a, like teams that were combined, like say a combined um, African team or a combined South American team or like, like things like that. Central, I, I, Central Europe. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it really because it's not the it's not Test match level. You can do basically whatever you want with this. Um, yeah. So that's so that's one thing that's really cool about this. Like, I wouldn't even be against, you know, at some points seeing, like, a New South Wales and Queensland team turn up again. Maybe not to be able to win a World Cup, obviously, but just to compete at this sort of level in nines footy, I think that would be really cool. It would. They should. I mean, that was the thing that was great about it when they had it in the 90s, when they had the sevens there. Mm-hmm. Um and they just had whatever team wanted to turn up. You could bring a team then you were in, and you'd have things like, as you were saying before, like USA would play Balmain, and then you'd have New South Wales Country versus Wigan. and It's just mm. you'd have nations, you'd have clubs, you'd have rep teams. It, it didn't matter. They just took any old thing, and it, made an, it was an unbelievably awesome mishmash of teams, and it just worked. Mm. People yeah, went to it. I th- loved it. It was brilliant. And I know with the Auckland Nines NRL competition, it just didn't excite me because it's like the same old teams competing again. And yeah. But if they had have had those teams, like if they had have said, look, we've got the 16 NRL clubs, but we're going to invite another, I don't know, even like eight teams to compete in it that are, we're going to have international teams. Like I, I think I even wrote an article where I said, um, it would be cool if they had like an invitational team that was just uh, international rugby union players that were maybe off contract or something that wanted to have a run. Um, just you can international, do international athletes from any sport. Come yeah. along and build your own team. You get like LeBron James out there. <laughs> Imagine the team with the darts players and the bowlers, <laughs> professional bowlers. Feel the power. Yeah. Feel the power Taylor could be out there. Just plugging a few hit-ups up the middle. Just so amazing to see them athletes compete at the highest level. <laughs> that would be, be funny. Phil the power tally gets it out to some snooker player and he gets it on to someone from the Lawn Bowls team in, in England. You get one of the, like, uh, you know, the World Strongest competitors? <laughs> like, just can't move, but they're just, like, absolutely massive. <laughs> Get a few former pro wrestlers in there. Yeah. Get the Get rock the, out there. The rock. Yeah. He weighs about 300 bloody pounds or something like that these days. Yeah, and it's all natural too. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to argue with it. <laughs> no, no. No. But, yeah, really interesting, <laughs> this tournament. And as I said, I like it because it's something new. It's something different. It's something we haven't seen before. And I hope that we – I would love them to play this every year. And I don't see why they can't do that, especially when you, you look the way that they've structured these squads. Um, I think that there's the ability to to rotate these squads quite a lot. Um, and I really do. I think it's a fantastic addition to the game. Um, it's a good stepping stone to internet, like the test match arena, the full international games. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Likewise. And, uh, yeah, next time they do it, add another four teams at least, please. Yes, please. We want them. And uh, on that note, we've got any, uh, got any shout-outs? Uh, Shout-out to all the regulars that listen in. You know who who you all are. Um, shout out to the starting block. We love the starting block. Drop the K at the end. Yeah, drop the K. Um, who else is there we could give shout outs to this week? Yeah, I'm just trying to have a look through the uh, the Twitter feed now to see what we've got on there. Who have we got? All the people. I met two of my followers uh, during the week. <laughs> really? I yes, I did. Uh, so, uh, someone's asking me if I've got a link to something. Oh, that's about the webs, the NRL website. Um, uh, We've yeah. got, uh, obviously Nadine yep. filled, filled in for us last week while I was away. She did a brilliant job. Uh, so that's now your constant on, you know, on call duty now, Nadine. Um, Dr. Alan Pierce. Yes. He's going to be on our podcast on Monday. Uh, we're going to talk about concussion. We're going to talk about the SBS Insight program, which will be interesting. So we're going to talk to him. Um, I think we've also got another guest next Wednesday. Have we sorted that one out yet? Uh, I've got to get my finger out and do that. Yeah. So I'll sort that out this weekend. Don't you okay. worry. Okay, nice. Um. Yes, we got. Obviously, we got Arabella. Yep. Uh, Katie. Yep. Uh, Richard Cranium. Yep. I want to give shout outs to Adam, who uh, I met this week, and Leonard, who I also met. Gave him a couple of League Freak jerseys. So it was good meeting those two. Good work. Bartram 13, Sam Bayless. You're a legend. Uh, Lara listens in. Uh, Katie. Uh, Trisha. Trish, yeah. Hello, Trish. There we go. I mean, we've, we've, we've rolled out a fair few there. Yeah. If we didn't mention you and you want to get a mention, um, just uh, tweet us at Fergo Freak Pod and tell us on there because that way it saves us having this dead air process that goes on right now where we sit there <laughs> scrolling through tweets trying to find people's names. Yeah. It's better than the last 10 minutes of our podcast. We're going, nah, uh, let me have a look here. Uh, uh. Yeah. We're, do, um, we're doing our best here. I would like to say, um, mentioning another podcast here, thanks to the uh, full credit to the boys podcast. They had me on all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Looks like they're happy to have me back again next year, which has been awesome. Uh, 
big thanks to those guys. They've they've been a supporter of us as well, so that's been fantastic. Excellent. And uh, I want to also say, um, and this is you're not not even going to have any idea what I'm talking about when I say this. Uh, a message for Holly Smith. Holly, you are going to love it. Go over there. Anytime you open your mouth, they're going to love you. Just do it. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Just do it, okay? It'll be fantastic. So take it from me. I went over there, and they loved me as well. You just open your mouth say, hey, g'day, how you going? And they just think you're the best thing ever. So any concerns you have, don't worry about them. Just get it done. And uh, something that I'm going to try and work into the next episode, maybe not the next one, but the one after that, mm-hmm. depending on how many episodes we do before the uh, the one on Monday. Mm-hmm. Just try and get my little girl on to say, hey, go, mate. Yeah, you got to do that. <laughs> I've taught her to do it with the wink as well. She's been doing it everywhere. She loves it. See, I I feel like I can't say that and then wink at someone. It's just too creepy. Oh, you got to do the wink first. Hey, go, mate. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, actually. <laughs> she, yeah. She's got it down pat. Yeah. I've taught her a few other sayings, so I'll see if I can get, more, get her to say more. If, if I can't. <laughs> If I can't get her to do it on the podcast, I'll get her to do it in a separate YouTube video and we'll put it up. Hey, you know the other thing that I did the other day? I was drinking a little bit and uh, I grabbed my phone and I I told everyone about my second big purchase. Eh? Oh, you did? Yeah. Was so a big reveal? You, yeah. If you didn't see, I, I revealed that I bought myself a life-size Iron Man helmet. And it, it, the eyes light up. It's got an automatic face mask that opens and closes and makes some noises as well. Cost me a lot of money. Um, and, yeah, it's it's so cool, though. I don't regret it. <laughs> you need one of those ones that also changes your voice as well. Well, you know what? I had a look online, and I, I have not been able to find one of those. <sighs> you know what I... There was a, a viral video that went around a year or two ago of some woman who yeah. bought one of those um, Chewbacca ones. Yeah. You remember seeing that? And she was pissing yeah. herself laughing in a car. She Every time she said something, she made her crack herself laughing. Well, I, you know what? I saw a life-size Darth Vader helmet that does that, and it does the breathing sound as well, which is pretty cool. Um, but I, I'm not going to buy one of those. But the uh, what I was looking for was um, – to see if I could buy the electronics to have like the Jarvis voice um, because that would have been cool to add that to the helmet. But then it's like, you know, where are we going with this? <laughs> some point you got to look in the mirror at yourself and say, dude, just stop now. I think the, the closest I ever got to having something that looked like it was from a movie was yeah. um, one time I, I used a rag to clean up some, some, ground, some oil on the ground. Yeah, and it was an old white singlet, and I went, "Oh, it looks a bit like that singlet out of Die Hard." <laughs> you know what the best thing is? Like every single movie reference you do comes back to Die Hard. It does. <laughs> every one. <laughs> and the worst part is, I make movie references to you. I know you got no fucking idea what I'm talking about. I'm clueless. I've never watched a Marvel movie in my life. Yeah. I know I was talking about Alien 3 before, and I'm not even going to tell people what we're talking about. But, uh, yeah, I knew you'd never seen it. Yeah, and I've, I've got it on DVD. It's it's not as bad as people say. No, I, I, it's not that it horrifies me. It's just more that 
I don't know. I just never found, never got interested. I have watched movies like Predator and stuff like that. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I tell you, I watched The Hunger Games, all of The Hunger Games this week. Yeah. No, the yeah. movies. The most oh. stupid movies I've ever seen. No, no, no. You haven't, you haven't endured the Twilight series. You know what? I watched one of the Twilight movies once. I think I did it under duress. Likewise. And, uh, yeah, that, they were pretty damn bad as well. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a teenage girl deciding whether she wants to have sex with a werewolf or a vampire. Yeah, it's bestiality versus necrophilia. Yeah. What a great theme for a TV series for a bunch of teenagers to watch. Exactly. I like the way that, like, they turn the vampires when they're in, in sunshine. <laughs> Instead of, like, burning and dying, they sparkle. They sparkle with glitter. Aren't they That's so pretty? Like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> Although, uh, the oh, worst oh. movies I think I've ever seen, that one that's on Netflix with Sandra Bullock, uh, Bird Box, that's terrible. And then there's one with Natalie Portman that's also on Netflix called Annihilation, which is just moronic. And then the other two that jump out at me, uh, Miss Congeniality 2, uh, In Her Shoes, <laughs> And then there was one called, like, The House of a Thousand Corpses that I was told was really good, and I couldn't believe how terrible it was. The only movie worth watching that's got Annihilation in the title is Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and you don't watch it because you're going to be amazed by how brilliant it is, but by how blatant all the blue screen stuff is and how shit the story is. (laughs) I I don't know. I've... I've, I've watched that movie, and I just piss myself laughing. I love it so much. It's so corny. I don't know, there's some videos online that you can watch that have the word annihilation in them that are pretty damn good as well. <laughs> oh, on that note, <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. We're going to start turning out these episodes more often again now. We've like uh, we've both been under the weather this week. That's been the problem. So, um, yeah, we're going to start turning them out more regularly again because we, we don't do off-seasons. No, I I tried to make sure, too, that I had every type of virus possible all in the space of the last five days. Um, So I'm pretty much over them all. You know, I've had fluids running from everywhere. I've had all types of headaches and flus and viruses and stuff like that. So I've pretty much nailed the whole whole plagues of of Egypt in the space of a week. It's good, yeah. Can't be killed. Yeah, you've been more sick than Charlie Sheen. Not on tiger blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we'll uh, we'll be hoping to uh, have a few more episodes out. We've got a few interviews coming up next week. Uh, another one or two big history episodes coming up soon too. So, something for everyone there, and some some good discussions going to come out of all of that too. So, uh, keep your keep your ears tuned to those. Yeah. And thanks for listening.